Let us pray. On Christ the solid rock I stand. No other, all other ground is sinking sand. What a great foundation we have, the solid rock of our Lord Jesus Christ who changes not, nor does he, His grace change. And we commemorate that grace in giving, not from a sense of compulsion, but from a sense of great gratitude. And we do this to the King of kings and Lord of lords, even Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Don't y'all just love singing those mighty hymns? Oh, it's just wonderful. You know, that's part of our worship is to sing praises to our Lord. And it sounded like you were singing it like you meant it. I like that. You may have noticed on your bulletin that we have a new memory verse for this month. We didn't really say anything about it last Sunday. <coughs> it was Communion Sunday. I believe that's about our sixth verse that we are to memorize. I hope that you're memorizing those. I'm pretty certain that if you don't, there'll become a time when you wish that you did. So you have a whole month to memorize each one of these verses, so that should be plenty of time. I hope you're doing that. Also, you may have seen that uh, we need to keep our prayer list on our bulletin uh, up-to-date, fresh. So if you have asked someone to be put on that prayer list, once they no longer need special prayer, we need for you to let us know so that we can remove it. Okay, let's prepare ourselves in our usual fashion. We'll have a few moments of silent prayer. Option of confessing sins privately to God if necessary. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you are always there for us. You are a very present help in time of trouble and need. We've been studying Joshua and recognizing how you were always faithful to him. Indeed, you are always faithful to those who are humble and obedient and seek your face. We pray that you will help us this very morning to devour your word, that we will gobble it up so that it will go into long-term memory. For surely the challenges and the adversity lies ahead. But we have nothing to fear because you are our strength, our foundation. So we pray that you will help us to focus, for we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Last Sunday we had a special on New Year's. The Sunday before that we had a special for Christmas. The Sunday before that we were in Joshua. So it's been three weeks since we've been in Joshua. You remember Joshua, right? the guy that led the people across the river? Well, <clears throat> I think we need to refocus a little bit and bring some things together so that we can be back on track with regards to this wonderful book that we find in the Bible. <clears throat> God used Joshua to go into the land of Canaan, which was filled with decadence and evil. And as he went through, he found one fortress after another. They were satanic fortresses. And we see that as Joshua went through there, he annihilated the enemy. There was no negotiations. It was only Joshua carrying out his word, God's word, bringing down these fortresses. Well, that's all well and good, but what does that have to do with us? Is there any relevant aspects of that for us today in the 21st century? Oh, are we very sophisticated. We have electricity. We have iPads. How can we relate to some guy that was trampling along in the time that 
they didn't have all these things. Well, there is a very, um, a very interesting point of relevancy that we find in Second Corinthians chapter ten. You can go there, or else I'll also put these scriptures on the board. Hopefully, these will spark your memory as to where we have been. Because we go through a very wicked and evil time also, don't we? And we have satanic fortresses that we are required to bring down as well. So we start with 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, that would be in our human bodies, we do not war or engage in spiritual conflict according to the flesh. Again, the flesh this time would be referring to our old sin nature. Notice that we do not war according to the flesh. Unfortunately, there are a lot of believers that know nothing about any warfare that is going on other than the circumstances they find in their own life. With regards to spiritual warfare, they're not keyed in at all. They don't even know that a battle is going on. So certainly, they're not going to be successful. They're going to be casualties in what we have designated the angelic conflict. The angelic conflict never takes a rest. We are engaged in it every single day. And for those who don't even know that that conflict is going on, they are undone. But according to this, even though we walk in these physical bodies, we do war, but we don't war according to our old sin nature. Now, every one of you, as bright and shiny as you look this morning, you've got all cleaned up. If I, 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 you look from here cleaned up. We're sitting in this nice place. Everything is fine, only in one aspect we're all filthy, dirty. The mud sling is sling, slinging as it was has hit us all. That means we have an old sin nature. It is our nature to sin. We sin because we like to sin. It is our nature to sin. And so every day, if we're going to be engaged in this spiritual warfare, we have to make sure that we are uh, cleansed from this flesh, not according to the flesh here, the old sin nature. And, of course, we know that this is referring to being spiritual. How can you fight in a spiritual conflict if you're not spiritual? Well, unfortunately, most people don't know how to be spiritual. Some people might think it's strange that every time that we come to this place for worship, whether it's during the week or on Sunday, I always start with a moment of silent prayer. That is for the purpose of us to make sure that we are not going to be influenced by our old sin nature during the teaching of God's Word, but that indeed we are going to be in the realm of spirituality, that we are indeed going to be spiritual. And the moment of silent prayer is for us to acknowledge privately to God the Father any unconfessed sin. For when we acknowledge our sins to God, then we are free from the influence of the old sin nature, and we are in a status that is known as spiritual. Now right now, every one of you, I hope, are believers. And not only are you believers, but you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And you can be guaranteed that you are only if you recognize any unconfessed sin. If you haven't confessed your sins, then you are still influenced by your old sin nature. doesn't mean you're not a believer. doesn't mean you're going to hell. But it means you're not going to get much out of this message. So we have to be keyed in because it is the Holy Spirit that enables us to understand and perceive spiritual phenomena. What we saw in Joshua had a spiritual dimension to it, but you, you didn't see it that much because there was physical warfare. He was bringing down physical fortresses, these these walled cities and yet we know that there is a spiritual dimension because he was constantly in contact with God 
Now, in our time, we don't go out and get some horns and circle any building for seven times and blow our trumpets and expect the building to fall in because that's all physical. But the warfare that we go through is just as real, but it's spiritual, and that's what this is saying. The next uh, verse, verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not flesh, that means physical or mental abilities, but divinely powerful. Do you know that as a believer that you have divinely powerful weapons at your disposal to engage in this angelic conflict? Do you remember what they are? <laughs> the wheels must turn. Um, I didn't put them here because I wanted you to think about it. We have them. What good are these weapons if you don't even know what they are? What good are the weapons if you don't know how to use them? In our modern technological age on the battlefield, they have weapons that take a lot of training in order to use. I believe some of us, even if we had a bazooka, we might be aiming it the wrong way. All it is is a tube. Wouldn't that be something? To fire it and you're firing it backwards. So these weapons, you have to know what they are. You have to be trained in how to use them. Now, what are they, the, the, the weapons? First of all, there is truth. Sometimes we just call it Bible doctrine. Second of all, there is love. Love is a weapon when it is used properly, and we would be speaking there of unconditional love or impersonal love. And the third is righteousness. Now, I'm not talking about the imputed righteousness that we receive when we believe in Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the experiential righteousness that builds character that comes from learning and applying God's Word. That is a weapon. And then fourth the weapon is prayer. And that is a mighty weapon as well. So these are some of the divinely powerful weapons. Remember what I call them? It's divine dynamite because it's powerful. It comes from the uh, Greek word dunamis, and the, do, the U in the Greek translates into the English as a Y. And so to us it would be dynamite. So we have divine dynamite at our disposal. Why do we have them? For the destruction of fortresses. Fortresses are satanic systems of thought. And they're everywhere. You don't have to go far to see satanic fortresses. So we can't get anything physical and charge these satanic fortresses. It has to be in the spiritual realm. Verse 5. I love this verse. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing. Now some of us like to build, some of us like to destroy. I have to admit, sometimes it's fun to just get in there and tear something up. Now, some of you are so pious and saintly, you don't know what I'm talking about. There's a certain member of this congregation that was, it was like it was Christmas and his birthday all rolled up in one, when we had to demolish the walls back in that area. He was so looking forward to it. We gave him a sledgehammer and we backed off and we were just, it was a delight. Oh, he loved to get that sledgehammer and boy, he would hit and things were falling down on his head and all around him. And wham, boy, he was destroyed. Of course, you ladies... I don't know, maybe ladies like to do that, but they just hide it. Normally they don't show that they revel in that. I want you to notice there are three verbs here in, in this verse. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of God. All three of these verbs are in the present tense. That means you just don't, do it once. You just don't engage in that battle once. 
How often do you engage in it? Every single day. You're always engaged in that battle. So let's look at the first one. It says, we are destroying. That means we continue to destroy. First of all, we have the ability to destroy these satanic fortresses because we have divine dynamite. That's the kind of weapons that we have to bring them down. Also, I want you to notice that it does not say we are destroying and negotiating. There's no negotiations with satanic fortresses, is there? We're talking about, uh, what, what would they call it, uh, no prisoners taking? We're doing what spiritually, what Joshua and the Israelites did in a physical sense. We keep on destroying these speculations. Now, what is a speculation? Let us speculate about a speculation. What we do know about speculation is that it's not based on fact, right? It's not knowing something as a fact. It's just, well, maybe it could be this, speculating. Now, when it says we are destroying speculations, when you go out and about in your daily life and you come into contact with people, if you ever get the chance to speak about something of a spiritual nature, what do you probably 99% of the time here. Speculation, right? How many people can say dogmatically, thus saith the Lord? How many people did you come in contact with that know systematic theology? They are prepared to stand firm for the faith. How many do you come in contact with? Very few, right? Now we're excluding this group here. Because, I mean, after all, <clears throat> you know, we are engaged every day and we know it. So speculations are really human viewpoint. It's ideas that people come out. You know, if you, if you want to make life more interesting, just start talking to people about Jesus Christ. Start talking to people about the Bible. And you're going to, uh, I, I really I shouldn't say it's entertaining because it's, it's really sad, but some of the things they come up with, you think, where in the world did this person get this idea? When you get these scientists that write books after books on a level that nobody can understand because you know, they're so intelligent. And then when it comes to spiritual things, they sound like a kindergartner. They can't put two plus two together because they're spiritually dead. They're talking about how uh, speculating on how the earth came about. And sometimes these people that can, can go for pages and pages with formulas and all these things, and yet you ask them, well, how did the world come about? How did it all start? Well, let's see. There were these uh, guys that came from over here, or there was this goo that was in here, and they come up with all these weirdo ideas. And you say, how could someone do that? How can someone? Well, they're speculating. And if you're going to be destroying speculations, it requires you to what? Know some facts, right? We're not speculators here, are we? Now, there are a few things in the Bible that we have to speculate about because God hasn't revealed them to us. But he has revealed enough to us to where we can live our life, we can connect the dots, and we can know what's going on because we're not speculating. What do speculators do? Don't they speculate in the, in the uh, stock market? Uh, they don't have the facts. If they had the facts, it wouldn't be called speculating. It will be a lot of people more rich than they are now. So we're destroying these speculations, these, all these idiotic ideas that come around, and every lofty thing raised up. Now, raised up is present tense, and a lofty thing is really... an you could say, an arrogant thing. These people who are so impressed with themselves, which is all of humanity, you don't, by the way, you don't have to be smart to be impressed with yourself. I talk to people all the time, and they say, oh, well, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a pastor. Oh, really? And then they start giving me their pet ideas about the most bizarro things you could ever hear. And they said, well, I think blah, blah, blah. Well, I didn't ask them what they think, but they tell me anyway. 
I think, and they lay it out there. And I'm thinking, and if you, you know what my standard answer is every time? It should be your standard answer when you hear that same thing. Where did you get that idea? And most of the time we go, I just made it up. Sounds good, doesn't it? I am so proud of it. They don't say that, but that's what they're thinking. And then you say, well, you know, it's okay to speculate about some things, but when you're talking about the important issues of life, I think we ought to go to the one who knows, and that's the Bible. And then you start talking about the Bible, and they're usually going to try to disparage the writer. Oh, well, that was just a bunch of old Jews. You know, we're in the 21st century. We don't listen to that. Or else uh, they're going to uh, say, well, that's just your interpretation. Ever had anybody say that? Well, okay, what's your interpretation? Because what you gave me is not an interpretation. That's from bizarro world. Give me a verse and let's go there and let us reason together. Uh, That doesn't happen. So we are continually destroying these speculations and all these arrogant things that just, poof, here they are. They just, they're just like weeds. You go out, have you, you know, we're getting a little warm weather. Have you noticed? You go outside, and my yard is just dead. Except now here come the weeds. I didn't plant them. I don't want them. People put poison all over the place to get rid of them. But what? They keep, keep popping up. And that's the way these speculations and lofty things, they're just going to be there. You better be ready for them. These things are raised up look, against the knowledge of God. It's not that they are, um, that just because people have a, a speculation or they have an arrogant, what, what makes it arrogant, what makes this thought arrogant is it's contrary to the knowledge of God. It's contrary to the Word of God. And we have our work cut out for us when we come in contact with these people because when we do, uh, they're very proud of what they think they know. And when it's contrary to God, uh, and we try to gently nudge them over into the area and say, well, you know, that's, that's an interesting idea. But um, how does that line up with what the Bible has to say? And already you brought the Bible in it, and some of them uh, get out of sorts. What makes them arrogant is they're going against the knowledge of God, which is Bible doctrine. And look at this. And we are taking another present tense. We are taking every thought captive to obedience to Christ. Look at this. It's talking about what here? Knowledge. It's talking about what here? Thought. That's where the battleground is. It's what what you think. Satan's prime target is a believer who has doctrine in his soul. Because he can't have that. He doesn't want people to go around thinking God's thinking. He's so pleased when people have speculations and lofty things that are contrary to Bible doctrine. He he loves that. And when someone comes up and makes an issue of doctrine, what's going to happen? Well, there's something about something hitting the fan. You know, I can't elaborate on that. But what happens is all hell breaks loose because they cannot have it. They're proud of their speculations. They're proud of their human viewpoint. And anybody that says, well, you know, you're, you're free to do that, but uh, golly, uh, don't you think we ought to think and act and decide on things according to what the Bible says? <clears throat> this issue is so important to understand. The spiritual battleground for believers is located in your soul both in the noose, that's your mind, and in the cardia, the heart. By the way, it's the, it's the Bible that spe- specifically distinguishes between the heart and the, and the uh, noose. They're words. The noose is referring to your mind. You can say that that is your, when you, something comes into your consciousness then you, you, it hasn't gone to your heart yet. First of all, you can process it. You have mentality. You have uh, self-consciousness. You have a volition. You have all these things to deal with. It. But the Bible says, just like the things that I'm telling you right now, it looks like everybody's concentrating, so it's going into your noose. And that's called gnosis information. That means information understood. You got it. 
But it will not remain in your soul if it's not transferred by positive volition, by you believing it into long-term memory, unless, first of all, you accept it. If, if what I'm telling you is unimportant, if you're sitting there thinking about, well, let's see, we only have, what, about 24 more minutes? I can, I can, I can endure that. Then I get to go eat. Well, what am I going to eat? Well, I love sweet potatoes. I hope we'll have sweet potatoes for lunch. And what else am I going to have? And some people are sitting there, and that's what's going through their mind. Right? I don't know that that's true. Maybe it's not. Maybe every person here is keyed in, and everything is going into your news, and it's become gnosis information. You're understanding it. That's great. But if you're not plugged in, then it's not going to stick. And after church, you leave, and someone says, Man, wasn't that a great message, wasn't it? And you say, Oh, yeah, it was great. Just please don't ask me what it was about. Because I was getting my menu ready for lunch. I don't have a clue. What, I heard a bunch of words. You see, when it goes, when you believe it, when it's important to you and you accept it, it becomes part of you. And then it goes into your cardia, your heart. The cardia is the real you. That's where the long-term memory things are. That's where your norms and standards and your vocabulary storage and all these things are in your cardia. And so what I'm saying is that's where the battleground is, is in your soul, in your mind and in your heart. Every day we are assaulted from without and from within with every kind of poison imaginable. If we had the time, which we don't, I wouldn't do it anyway, but if we did, I could say, okay, what poison have you been exposed to this morning already? And some of you are like, well, poison? Well, you're breathing, aren't you? There was a time, I don't know when you got up, but from the time you went from unconsciousness and sleeping to the time you got here, some things had to happen. Did they not? I mean, we're not talking about a calamitous morning necessarily, just an average morning. Have you been around any people? Huh? If you've been around people, probably the testing has already started, right? Hmm? I came alone this morning. I was going down 290. And you notice between 36 and 577, we no longer have a main highway in the middle. We've got to get off on the feeder road. And I was going down the feeder road, and I got over there by the uh, Brenham Saddle Shop, and there were two cop cars with radar on me. I look. <laughs> I think my car knows already. Uh, if I don't, it automatically slows down in that area. Not that I was speeding anyway. We all have this every day when we wake up. You start doing battle. When is the time that you least feel like doing battle of any kind? When you wake up. I mean, some of you're like, "Where's the coffee?" Oh, the coffee's not on. Well, here goes the battle. Well, I had two sins, lust, doubts, fears, anger, and there's a whole list. By the way, we have a sin list in the library. It's on the Internet as well. It's one of our most popular features. It is. For several years, it's been the number. It's got more hits than anything else. And I, I was trying to think, why is that? I think what it is is people are trying to get by with things and they're checking out to make sure if they're sin to see if they can continue or not. I don't know. That's just speculation. There we go. Speculation. So, uh, so we have to we have mental attitude sins that come from our what our old sin nature. And lies, deceptions, and temptations come from a satanic world system. So we've got it coming from within, and we kind of coming from without. This poison, these lies, the deception. Listen, if you don't know how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you are, well, you're just toast. You, no person, and I'm talking about believers, not unbelievers, no believer is able to withstand that temptation and all of this molten crud 
like a volcano coming up from within us, tempting us to be snotty and worse. Y'all know what snotty is. I'm not talking about... And then from the outside, we have that on the inside. We go on the outside, and all you have to do is turn on the TV, the radio, pick up a newspaper, a magazine, talk to someone. Even it might be your dog has a bad day. Your dog has bad breath. We don't know what it might be, but the attacks are constantly coming. Satanic fortresses. We're not going to go through all these, by the way. We already have. Y'all remember this? These are some of the things from the outside that are pressing that would love to penetrate your cardia and turn you away from the true knowledge of God. I think I'll just go through it real quick, just say what they are. And this is, by the way, this is the short list. I mean, if you had all of it, it would be like a phone book, the outside lies and deception and so forth. Uh, first of all, how did this get so big? Wasn't like, oh, don't want to go there yet. What happened? Did I lose it? Yeah, okay, we'll just leave that there. Uh, theory of evolution, satanic fortress. Acceptance of homosexuality. Oh, man. They will not stop pushing, will they? Same-sex marriage. No-fault divorce. Cohabitation. I didn't have time, I mean room. I had a slash cohabitation. Uh, my, my term I like better is shacking up. 50-50 marriages. No such thing. Movies and TV. Gross immorality. I saw something on the, I, I get uh, Christian uh, headline news, and I look and it says, for the following year, they're going to ratchet it up. There's going to be more, uh, essentially, nudity and bad language on TV. I think, how can that be? Work-based salvation, that's anything added to faith alone, in Christ alone, and most people you will come in contact with for the rest of your life have subscribed to this Satanic fortress, which is a lie. Systems of penance, reform theology. You remember what reform theology is? Everybody remember that? Some people call it Calvinism. Replacement theology. You remember what that is? There are people who are so diluted as to thinking that God is through with Israel and now the church has replaced Israel, which is absolutely ludicrous, but this replacement theology... Covenant theology, this system of theology uh, rejects the idea of dispensations. By the way, we are here dispensationalists. And if you don't know what that is, or if you're not sure, uh, you can go to the website, talk to me, talk to somebody. You need, you need help. Postmodernism. Postmodernism is simply... Those people refuse to believe that anything is is certain. Everything is relative to them. Except one thing. There's only one thing that they can know absolutely, unequivocally, dogmatically for certain, and that is that nothing is for certain. <laughs> Don't chew on that one very long, is Universalism, everybody is saved. Um, what is that top one there? Oh, Armenianism, you can lose your salvation. Ecumenism means that uh, unity is put above everything. Just toss out your doctrine. Don't worry about the Bible. What's really important is that we all come together. Rodney King, can't we all just get along? No, we cannot if we have to toss out our Bible. Pluralism is that all religions essentially uh, are getting to the same place. So, again, you'll notice there's a common denominator here. You have to sacrifice doctrine in order to get into any of these. Atheism, the alpha negative before theos comes out atheism, which means no God. Agnosticism comes from Again, the alpha negative in the Greek, and it says gnosis is to know. It comes in our language as Gnosticism, which means I'm not sure if there's a God or not. 
And then you have materialism. This is some people live for stuff. Everything in the world is subservient to stuff. There's a lot of them like that. Feminism. Now, it's great to be feminine. I love females that are feminine. But these are not feminine. The, some, I've heard sometimes they call them feminazis. Political correctness. I, there's certain things I will not say. If they put me before a firing squad and say, <coughs> like, significant other, nope, I ain't going to say it. Uh, Afro, Afro, African American, no, I'm not going to say that either. There's a lot of things that, I, who's, there's not a law, you have to say that, by the way. You can say whatever you want to say. And just me, personally, uh, I have to admit, I kind of strive not to be politically correct. And is that, is that being a rebel? No. You think the Bible is politically correct? Huh. Internationalism is no nations, and we're getting closer to that all the time. The world is pushing us towards all these places of internationalism. God is against internationalism. He's the one that created nations. Because once you have internationalism, Satan doesn't have to deal with 150 different nations. He can just go to the big cheese, whoever's in charge, and degrade the whole thing. Multiculturalism. I, th I think the next time someone on the news says, our strength is our diversity, I will just gag. <laughs> our strength is not our diversity. And the fact that we celebrate Cinco de Mayo and all these other things, well, I've got to press on. Communism, you know what that is. Anti-Semitism. Uh, this homosexual thing and the anti-Semitism things are two things that God hates exceedingly. No nation has ever accepted homosexuality. No nation has ever been anti-Semitic, which is aggressive hatefulness and hatred of the Jews. No, no nation has ever survived that. And we are perilously close to divine judgment, if nothing else, for those two things. Mormonism, Buddhism, Hinduism. Mormonism, oh, well, I left out. Catholicism, Mormonism, Buddhism, and Hinduism. Um, none of these, well, two of these, uh, Catholicism and Mormonism, um, claim that uh, Christ is, that they worship Christ, that Christ is uh, their Savior. Uh, Buddhism and Hinduism does not. Nor does, uh, I thought I had Islam in here also. Anyway, uh, the Catholicism and Mormonism um, say that they are, are, especially Mormonism, is trying to strive to be mainstream uh, Christianity. But let me tell you, anyone or any person or any denomination that has a wrong gospel. It's a perversion, and it is the same as anti-Christ. But all of these, Catholicism, Mormonism, Buddhism, Hinduism, all of them, add works as the basis of salvation, of being saved. And I'm telling you, that makes them a satanic fortress. Uh, none of these, we're, we're not besmirching or in any way disparaging the people People that adhere to these are, they are taken captive by satanic lies. And we're not, we're, we love them enough and love them enough to give them the gospel. All right, that's some of the satanic forces. How can we overcome all this? How do we take every thought captive to obedience of Christ? Because isn't that what the verse says? It says that we are in the process, we continue to take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. See, the, why is it talking about, talking about thinking? Because thinking is where the game is. That's where the ball game is happening. And we, here's the, here's the great thing that a lot of people don't believe. They, don't, they maybe never heard it. We can control what we think. Now, that doesn't mean that what you think is always going to be 100% all the time pure and right. 
Because at any time, we can be blindsided by some garbage in our soul. You're not looking for it. You can be just, you're walking on, bam. Oh, man, you got this thought. Where did it come from? It came from your old sin nature. Now it's wanting to take a foothold. You do not have to go with that thought. Because for every mental attitude sin, everything that would be a speculation of of, uh, arrogant thought, contrary to doctrine, there is a doctrine that will neutralize it, and you have volition, and you can choose to think about the solution, which is the doctrine, or you can choose to go with that garbage in your soul. So, we can do it. This is what we must do to be victorious, is take every thought captive. Every thought captive. We can... How, how do we destroy satanic fortresses with, uh, uh, with the weapons that are like divine dynamite? How do we do that? How can we replace human viewpoint in our souls with divine viewpoint? You know the answer, right? If you don't know the answer, you're in trouble. Not with me. Here's the answer. By learning and applying Bible doctrine... By studying to show thyself, yourself approved to God. 2 Timothy 2.15. Now we're already approved to God because we believe in Jesus Christ. We have eternal life. We have his righteousness. But we're talking about in the experiential realm, not positional. Listen, let me tell you something. If you don't understand the difference between the positional sphere that we live in with regards to... God, we live in the sphere of being in Christ, and nothing can change that positionally. But experientially is where it's all happening, and this is where people are missing the boat. This is what I've been hammering during the week on Tuesdays and Thursdays with regards to getting the gospel right, looking at the, uh, at the gospel of James, looking at faith alone for salvation, faith alone in Christ alone. That is under attack, and we have to do battle every single day. And the answer is... You can't, listen, New Year's Eve, I don't know if you made any uh, resolutions or not, or New Year's. What is it, New Year's Eve? It doesn't matter because it's all a bunch of hooey anyway. You can make resolutions, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, you shouldn't do it. That's fine if you want to. Uh, How many people are successful at keeping resolutions? But here's what I want you to, to, to recognize. If you made a resolution, or if you thought that you need to make a resolution to be more serious about your spiritual life and to take in Bible doctrine more, you are in very serious spiritual danger because it should not be something that has to be resolved as a resolution. If you have to battle in your own soul, well, should I go to church or should I stay home and watch the game or whatever else it is? You are in spiritual trouble because God demands that He is number one. And if you are have if you have to force yourself, if you have to do some kind of gymnastics inside your soul before you come to Bible class or come to church, you're already in spiritual danger because it should be automatic. How are you going to be able to stand against these satanic fortresses if you have a just a casual hit or miss attitude towards God's word? And you don't have to come here. You can, you can go to uh, there are other churches, there are other places that you can get sound teaching, but not many. You can go on the internet. You can you can um, go get books, books. Get spiritual nourishment every day because you will not be able to stand. You'll be a casualty. So that's the answer. The enemy's assault is ongoing, moment to moment, day to day. It never lets up. Our only hope, listen to this, our only hope of not succumbing to the enemy's pressure is to be as vigilant in filling our souls with truth as Satan is in trying to fill it with lies. That's your only hope. You understand that? Satan never gets up. He he doesn't even sleep. And his demonic forces are constantly trying to bring you under his captive forces so that you will be neutralized. You're no, you're no threat if he can do that. 
And if you are not as zealous to fill your soul with truth, with God's Word, so that you can think divine viewpoints, if you're not as zealous as He is, what's going to happen? You're going to become a casualty. You know what casualties look like? On my Libronics um, log-off system, I have downloaded something called Perseus. It's thousands of of, uh, documents, some of them in Latin, some in Greek, some in English. But the one I liked best was there was, uh, in this whole stuff that I downloaded, was photographs of the Civil War. I love to go back in time and look at these photographs. And <clears throat> because I'm interested, I want to see what it was really like. And in many of these um, photographs showed casualties on both sides, north and south. You know, in some of those battles, there might be uh, three to 4,000 casualties dead in one battle. Can you imagine a massive battlefield and tens of thousands of, of soldiers torn apart by cannon fire and, and, and wounded and how grotesque that is? Casualties, you don't want to be one of those. And you don't have to be. What we are exhorting you through Joshua and how he was not a casualty. Why was he not a casualty? Because the Lord said, I want you to meditate upon my word when? Night and day. When you rise, when you go to bed, I want you to think about it all the time. He did it. And he was then qualified to go and bring down satanic fortresses. And the same is true for us in the spiritual realm. You know, it, 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 it should be that you know, I think this church is this way for the most part. People are eager to get here because they understand this. The more wickedness that is revealed, it seems like on a daily basis outside, the more we need to be inside so that we can counter these things. We don't only want to, to be safe. It's not about being safe. What do you have to do to be able to bring down a fortress? Don't you have to be aggressive? We have to be aggressive against these things. And there's so many believers that are running from these fortresses when we ought to be attacking them spiritually. Now, I'm not saying that we need to go into somebody's house and throw out a bunch of demons and all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being aggressive in taking in the Word so we will be able to use the dynamite weapons that God has made available to us so we can bring them down. And if you don't bring them down, you're going to be in the same situation that Joshua was in when he had gone for 40, about 40 miles, he went through a battle, another battle, and he was, he was just about, they were exhausted. They were running out of, out, out of daylight. Remember what Joshua said? Talk about being audacious in what you ask for. Uh, God, we're, we, need, we need the sun to stop. Well, we just need more daylight. Now, the miracle itself is what everybody looks at, but I don't want you to look at that. What I want you to look at is that, you know what, Joshua, he was in touch with reality. You know why? He knew that he had to continue to battle until the job was done or else he would become a casualty. If they had time, if the enemy had time, if it, if it turned night and they could regroup, they would come back and they would overwhelm and defeat him the next day. He knew that. We are in the same thing. We don't have the luxury of saying, well, church sometimes you know uh, let me get my day calendar here let's see what i got on the agenda here we can't have that attitude because if we do we will become a casualty we will we will fall under the clutches of a satanic force satan and his and his minions who are merciless they are ruthless and they will rend your life asunder the only the only alternative the only way that you can keep that from happening is what these verses are saying. Keep on taking every thought captive in obedience to Christ. I hope you see the correlation there. So there is something uh, that we can use in order to defeat these. I'm going to close with this. Let me see uh, my deal here. 
We can control what we think. We can destroy evil thinking, human viewpoint, and we can recognize what is true and identify what is false. Who can do that outside of a believer with God's own thinking? It doesn't depend on education or intelligence, does it? But we can't do this if we are indifferent towards God's Word. If we want victory, we must stay the course. Here we go. We can be victorious through God's grace. And here's the six types of grace, and I'm not going to give them to you today. Will I see you next time? Did you get the message? We go from grace to grace to grace to grace to grace. Six types of grace. If you know the plan, then you can follow it. If you don't know the plan, you might very well become a casualty into the hands of a ruthless satanic force. Aren't you glad that God has given us the way out? Aren't you glad that we have weapons that are divinely powerful? I suggest that we learn them and use them. I'd like everyone please to bow your heads. I can't see into anyone's soul. There may be someone here who is not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. There may be a person here that's not sure if they have eternal life or not. Hmm. The great news is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, went to the cross. He died for your sins, my sins. He was buried. He was resurrected. And now He offers eternal life to anyone, including you, that will trust Him and Him alone for it. No one else can give eternal life. And it's only given as a gift. You receive it by simply believing in Christ's work on the cross who He is and what He is, what He did. And in doing so, you receive the gift. You're born again. You have eternal life. You have God's righteousness. Your ticket to heaven is guaranteed, but you're still in the world now. It's time to grow in grace and knowledge so that we can bring down satanic fortresses. Father, we're so thankful that You are our God, that You have this plan, that You made this all available to us. We pray that You will help us to have the good sense to utilize these divinely powerful weapons so that we can bring glory to you and great blessings to ourselves. And we pray it in Christ's most high and holy name. Amen.